0: A Quick timeout Podcast is presented by Dr. Dish Basketball. Dr. Dish machines are the most advanced shooting machines on the market. If you haven't already, join top programs like the Miami Heat, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Duke Blue Devils, and countless others and an upgrade to Dr. Dish Basketball. And now, save an extra $300 on select models when you mention Quick Timeout Podcast. To find out more, visit drdishbasketball.com. It's been a while. It's great to have you back on the podcast, Coach
1: Nick. B-ball
0: breakdown, Coach. Great to see you again.
1: It doesn't really feel like it's been that long, but I guess it, the the numbers will tell you that.
0: But I, I think also we see each other on the internet as well, so that's kind of <laughs> it. Kind of uh, suffices, I guess, to stay in touch at least. So
1: absolutely. Well, I'm glad to be here, but back again. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah,
0: it's always a good time talking with Coach Nick and. I can't recall how long ago it's been, but Coach Nick said to me, I've got a brand new defense I'm working on. But now that I think about it, like that was kind of it. And I'm not sure if I saw it on a Coaching You video set that I got, but fast forward to last week and Coach reached out again and said, I wanted you to check this out. So he sent me a web clinic and sent some film as well. And I watched them and thought to myself, that'd be great to have him on the podcast to talk about. So here we are.
1: Well, that's a good sign since you didn't say, oh, my God, I never saw this guy again.
0: (laughs) It wasn't so bizarre, but it might sound bizarre to some. Before we get into the details of it, just in general, how did this all come about?
1: Okay, that's a great question. Well, I think a couple things. You know, when I do B-Ball Breakdown, all I do is sort of stare at footage all day long, and I'm looking at stats and looking at trends. And what we realized, you know, when you look at it far enough out that, like, the offensive ratings – uh, the rating ha- c- continues to go up inexorably year after year uh, in a way that it sort of said to me, whatever we're doing on defense isn't working. And, I, and I would suspect that as the three pointer has taken hold of college as well, we'd most likely see that as well. The offensive ratings are going to continue to keep going up and up and up. And so the notion of traditional defense uh, just isn't going to solve the issues that we are now creating by having such skilled offensive play right now. Um, I mean, it kind of touches upon my dislike for uh, even something like like the pack line. And dislike is not really the word. I just look at the pack line now as a a defense that was predicated on uh, an era when you would catch the ball and you'd rip through and you'd read after the catch. And now that we're teaching players at all levels from eighth grade up until, you know, through college and the pros, we're teaching them to attack on the catch, reading the defense before the catch. Um, suddenly a lot of the defensive principles that we had for all, every kind of defense don't really work so well. And it kind of explains why you'll see like, you know, a number 16 seed upset at number one in the NCAA tournament. And you have a lot more upsets now because these mid-majors and in the, in the lower seeds can now level the playing field um, against coaches who might have had, you know, defensive principles from 25 years ago and they're still using them. So uh, that's all where it kind of came out of. And then tangentially, obviously, we'd seen, uh, you know, James Harden rip through the NBA in his MVP year and around that time. And so defenses were trying to get creative. And when I saw how the Jazz had done it in the playoffs, and I saw how I think Milwaukee played in the regular season against him, that got me going and started thinking about what we can do that would be different. And then I just like to be radical sometimes anyway, just to kind of be radical to see if it, if it does work. And so, out of all that, I kind of, you know, started to come up with uh, this idea. When we talk defense, people start thinking defensive system, and they either connect it to man
0: or zone. And you have man-to-man. Obviously, you have the subsets like the pack line that you just mentioned, and then others zone. They're thinking two-three, one-three-one, three-two. When the ball comes down the floor against your zone, what is the defense seeing initially?
1: Great. That's a great question. So this is no question. It's a zone, and I also have a lot of um, experience coaching the amoeba defense, which you, which we don't oftentimes get mentioned uh, uh, enough. That alignment is a one-one-three with a two guards instead of like a two-three. They're one-one. They're stacked, um, and so I sort of have. It's not really an easy thing to describe because it's two different things. In the uh, if there's no three-second violation in the, on the defense, then you can do a. You know, it's basically a one. 2-1-1, I suppose, is sort of how you call it. You have the three de- perimeter defenders and you have the two guys stacked, one on the free throw line, one underneath the basket, basically. Uh, in the NBA, the guy under the basket would have to be, you know, outside the lane and dancing back and forth. But um, we can keep it focused on, you know, being able to be in the lane as long as you like. So that would basically what you'd see. You'd see a guy waiting for you at the half court. And, and by the way, when I mentioned Amoeba, there are some Amoeba principles going on in this thing. So um, I like to sort of reference that. And um, so you have a guard waiting for you at the half court and yeah, you have your two wings who are above the three point line and then you have your guys stacked at the, at the the free throw line below the uh, front of the basket.
0: So we'll start talking about kind of responsibilities and and what to do with it then. But as I listened to you talk on the web clinic that you sent me, I thought it was good because it, you kept it really simple in an era where the three point shot, but pick and roll as well those two things becoming such a large part of the game, the goals really are pretty simple. Am I correct with that? Like those are the two things that we're trying to take away here.
1: Right. And so, and, and that's what kind of makes people think I'm insane is because I'll tell them, what if I could show you a defense that would take away the three point shot and the pick and roll? Uh They don't, you know, they're like, get the hell out of here. It doesn't, there isn't anything that you can do about that. But, but this is what my defense does. And, and it really is fascinating. Now, that said, there's, there are, you know, the funny thing is we'll find sort of weaknesses maybe in the zone that you can attack and exploit. And then I start to realize, well, you know what? Every zone has a weakness like that. Every man to man defense you play is going to have a weakness and they're always scared. They're going to figure it out and, and, and hammer you with it. So um, that's what I had to like put away when I was in the middle of in the lab trying to invent this thing. Um, but I think we should just maybe get right into the sort of the crux of the matter here, which is basically what you do is you play behind the ball. So the pressure that you're putting with the ball in the perimeter is from behind. And so as soon as they cross half court, and you can have a lot of fun with this, you can be in the backcourt picking up early and getting him, getting that point guard sort of moving quickly and then get behind on purpose, uh, or wait for him at half court and then jump behind as soon as he gets past it. That is the, the sort of the crux of the matter here, is that once you start playing behind the ball, obviously it's really hard, if not impossible, to shoot a three if you got a guy breathing down your neck. Uh, That's what we discovered when we were doing this live, uh, you know, uh, at at game speed. And so that was one thing. And certainly I got that from the idea that like most of the NBA and elite shooters, you know, the closeout, a normal closeout doesn't really affect them. They don't seem to mind that doesn't bother them much. What they would always say is what bothers them is when they're when you're behind them and they can't see where you are and your hands coming up by the side of their face. That seemed to be the thing that always uh, was a complaint from shooters. So I felt like this would be a really good way to kind of address that. Uh, if we want to kind of expand out a little bit a little bit more on the zone part of it, you have the two wings who are, you know, if you watch carefully with the Miami Heat 2-3 zone, you would see Kyle Lowry with his butt to the sideline as a forward in the 2-3 zone. It's exactly how I was positioning my guys, because what's cool about this is that the zone players on the, on the perimeter are all facing the basket, which is completely radical and different. But when I saw uh, Kyle Lowry doing it, and then all of a sudden Duncan Robinson would start doing it on the other side opposite him, you can now see everybody and you can see the cutters and you can take away those passes. You can actually take away the position of the wing at the three point line. Cause so like, so Tony, for instance, if you were on offense and you were on the wing and all of a sudden the defender is standing like behind you, what would you think you would do instinctively? I think you'd probably move into the basket. You're like, Oh, I can go. And so that's okay because we have the two defenders in the paint, which we'll get to in a second. And so now you're like eliminating the three point catch it completely, because you're going to lure guys into thinking, okay, I'm going to move in, and so you're compressing the offense in toward the lane and toward the baseline. Now, conversely, if, if you're handling the ball on top, and uh, and just to give you, the paint, again, the, the whole picture, I'm behind you now, right, as soon as you get across that court, well, the, the guy on uh, the free throw line is their center, and he plays, uh, if you're anyone's out there familiar with the point zone that Dean Smith had created, the center is always in the line of deployment, always in the line between the ball and the basket. And so it's a lot like you know drop coverage in the pick and roll so he is there containing so it's not like when you get behind the ball he's just going to take off for a layup no there's always that guy right there containing to to lure you into a floater or some sort of mid-range shot but imagine if i'm guarding you from behind and you're dribbling the ball you can't come up and set a ball screen on that right there's no way to screen a defender who's behind the basketball and the closeouts that we have uh, as the rotations start happening are all to get behind the guy. Now, we've also seen in the, in the modern uh, basketball uh, the, the idea of, con- of contesting shooters in the air. That seems to be a real good effect versus the choppy step, you know, high hand closeout. I, I will not say it's a fake fundamental anymore. I do not want to enrage the people who like to do choppy step closeouts. I will just simply say that it's outdated. And it doesn't really affect, you know, shooters who are getting better and better every year. So what we want to have you do is close out to get behind, which is a little bit similar to the close out where you're going to contest in the air anyway, and then pop right back into play. So once that closeout gets there and you're behind the guy, again, the guy comes over to set a ball screen. He can't do it. There's no way to do it because you, you, you would you'd be running into the ball handler almost to try and set that screen. Does that all clear so far?
0: It is. Let me give it back to you and see if I'm understanding, just as others are listening, that we're understanding correctly. It is only the person guarding the ball that is behind the ball.
1: So this is where it gets interesting because the two wing defenders, right, um, have a lot of leeway to be positioning themselves either behind the ball or even with the ball, or they might have to sink on the weak side. So uh, if, you're, if they're on the weak side, for instance, and in the ball's on the right wing, the left wing defender does have to sort of occupy a, an area that would be the equivalent of a two-three zone forward, because there is isn't the notion of uh, a potential like cutter and a layup. Right? We don't want to give up layups. We want to give up basically what we all we want to do is give up long twos, you know, and floater contested floaters. If you want to beat this uh, this defense by shooting a floater with a hand in your face all game, please. And if you hit all of those, great. And I'll tip my cap and I'll say thank you. But meanwhile, we'll be shooting a lot of threes. And if you want to match floaters for threes, I'd be more than happy to do that. Heck, I would probably match a few post-ups if you want to go down there too and try and get down low and do that and, and with some threes. So that's, but yes, but there are moments, yes, where you could actually be behind the off-ball player as well. Now, my favorite part of this, by the way, I think, is um, as the ball starts moving, the, the player, the guard on top, uh, near the top of the key, it also is facing the basket. Again, completely opposite to what we normally teach. So when we were going live with with some good basketball players for about an hour, I got a whole bunch of clips of this. What started to happen toward the end is as we were getting everybody dialed in and used to this, the the guy on top could now see cutters who are thinking, oh, I'm just going to flash the high post and get an easy catch. And now he's jumping in and knocking balls away and getting steals uh, and causing all kinds of havoc. And then also because he's watching – he can now start deflecting skip passes because he's at the top of the key. The skip is coming from either the wing or the corner to, like, the other wing. You know, it's a long way to throw that. And when you get a chance to see it all the way through, and you're also, you know, you're facing that way. Because if you're facing the ball near the free throw line on the nail, for instance, and the ball's in the right corner and you're facing that way and it gets over your head, you got to turn 360, you got to start sprinting. Well, think about it the other way. If I'm, if I'm facing the basket from the top of the key, I'm not hardly turning at all. I'm just sort of going and running, and I can easily see the, the whole way through. I don't lose uh, sight of the ball. So that, that's what got me most excited, I think, is to be able to have that guard who can be smart and can read real well and be a, like a center fielder, really create a lot of havoc.
0: A Quick timeout podcast is presented by Huddle, the market leader in video-based analysis solutions for basketball teams around the world. Huddle continues to make advancements to their suite of performance analysis solutions. Tools you know like sports code are enhanced by their industry-leading tech like Huddle Focus, an AI-powered smart camera that's built to integrate the sports code right out of the box. It captures and uploads video automatically from any gym. Head over to huddle.com slash a quick timeout to get a peek at all they're bringing to the hardwood for every level of the game this season. A big thanks to 323 Sports for supporting the show. The guys with 323 Sports are a team dealer providing uniforms, gear, equipment, and more to schools and colleges across the country. I've used them on multiple occasions and their customer service and low prices are second to none. To find out more, visit 323sports.com where you can reach out directly to a rep at sales at 323sports.com. They'll be sure to do it right for your sports program. This is where I didn't feel like it was absolutely crazy was the fact that I think sometimes we're thinking. I just turn around and run behind the guy. The majority of the time, when somebody on the perimeter, aside from when the guys bring the ball up the floor, which may seem kind of weird initially, like I just kind of let him go by and then I chase him down, kind of mm-hmm. almost the idea of like I'm I'm tricking you or I'm getting I'm corralling you right to that middle man. It seemed like the middle man was really key because if he doesn't stay in front of the ball, kind of blows up everything else that's going on, but if the ball's then passed out, this is where it's not so crazy is, especially at the NBA level, which I know you spend the majority of your time, but still it's, it's trickling down, is the idea of running players off the three-point line. And you're kind of contesting and getting them to think, oh, I'm going to put the ball on the ground rather than shoot this because they're coming out at me so hard. You may have uh, played with this a little bit, but When I run him off the line, probably even your closeout, which side you close out, you could manipulate, for instance, I close out and I'm pushing him towards the baseline. I'm really pushing him into two guys down there on the baseline. I'm not pushing him to the middle, closing out, running past them. I don't know if you feel like that matters or not, but just as I watched it, I felt like this could be effective because you're really shrinking the floor and forcing them. The only look is those kind of over-the-zone type things which because of how the guys off the ball are now playing is going to help you increase the flexions. And I saw you say in the clinic, it's safe to say like you felt like this really increased the number of deflections that your team even got as well.
1: Oh yeah. I, I think, you know, only not only to do that, but it also gets the offense so out of sorts that they're now doing crazy stuff and the funny thing is a lot of times you'll hear guys say well you know i don't want uh this guy i mean why would i close out to get behind you know so and so he's not a he's not a driver he's not or he's, he's only a shooter but like in my mind i i want the non dribblers to, to to catch the ball on the perimeter because now we're going to be behind them and we're going to invite them to now become dribble drive artists and i'm be like please you do that. Now we saw this with, uh, with Utah jazz, they played almost behind Harden. It was almost like a three quarter with Rudy Gobert containing. And it really did cut like 10 points a game off of his average. Um, You know, he did maintain, I think his assists, but like, and they did And that the Houston team did win the series. But if you wanted to talk about this net effect on his scoring, it certainly works, but, I, that's why I thought you can expand this and actually make it into a full defense where everybody's being played behind because now uh, if you can get the ball out of the star player's hands, now you got something because you have guys who are not comfortable uh, handling the ball or having a guy breathing down their neck. And, and remember, there's a whole new subset of skills you kind of have to learn to be able to play behind a player. Uh, I'm sure we've all played with those guys who, you know, you beat, you beat the defender and he always would back tap and knock the ball out of your hand. I, I was never able to do that. There was something that those guys were doing, and we're still kind of studying it to figure out the exact fundamentals of how to teach it, but there's no question you can start to master that. Like you start to reach in as the ball is bouncing and not have it later than that because then you can switch hands and you're him. You know, there's little cues like that that we can really start to create havoc with. Um, but the other thing about the radical notion of this is on any given possession in the NBA, you are going to see this alignment because in a drop coverage of a pick and roll – Uh, As soon as the guy uses the screen, the the defender has to run and get around the screen, and now he's behind, and then you see the guy put him in jail and trying to keep him behind him, but he's behind. The the ball screener's man is containing, right, and the other guys zone up behind him, very much like our defense is. So I thought, well, let's just get to that part already. Why even let them run the screen and roll and give them an advantage to start? Let's just get into that drop coverage mode right away. And uh, now that we're ready for that and, and can cover that differently, uh, you know, you can have be a lot more effective in that. So it really isn't that, that crazy. Now, if you ever look at ice defense, which is, you know, let's say on the inside ball screen on the wing, uh, they'll force you to the baseline and the, 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 the defender of the, of the ball screener drops it's exactly the same, except you just kind of get behind him. So, in my mind, if I wanted to try and introduce this slowly to teams who maybe don't want to be so radical, then let it be your pick and roll defense. So, instead of your ice defense, which you should be doing, you don't want the guy using the ball screen to the middle, get behind him. You know, make it really make some habit because now you can get to affect the ball handler a little bit better. You put back taps and all that kind of stuff. You certainly aren't going to give up a three pointer now in that any kind of scenario like that. And I, I think that would really uh, that's that's the real issue here is it's, it really isn't that radical when you kind of boil it down. Here's the
0: part where if you're listening to this, we're going to bring up some film and I'm just going to let Coach Nick kind of talk through some of the things that are happening here on the screen. We'll run some things back. You can go back and watch this again, slow it down. Uh, we're going to point you at the end to some more resources that will hopefully make this a little bit more clear. But let me just go ahead and bring this up on the screen, Coach, and then you tell me when you want me to stop, rewind, anything.
1: Uh, yeah, so you can see like, we're going to meet the ball at half court. And already in the background, uh, the defender is in the yellow, in the yellow shorts, and he's already behind. He's leaning on the guy, basically, right? So let's go a little farther to see what the rest of the alignment looks like here on this but good yeah because so my goal would be again okay and this is even better so you can see the guy with his back to the on the wing to the the camera again is on defense now the reason why you think this this isn't crazy is that on the weak side the yellow shorts is looking at the ball he's on the guy because you're worried about the corner on the weak side maybe cutting in well we have the guy underneath the basket and and you know we said that the five is really key here because he's got to do a lot of things His job is actually really easy because again, all he's worried about is staying on that line between the ball and the basket. It's it's kind of very simple. I took that from me and I told you from the Dean Smith that's. It's the guy, the the forward behind him that does a lot of reading. And when we got everything tuned up, he was also making some really smart plays, knocking lobs away, knocking uh, bounce passes for layups away. And you almost would say he's like saving the day because, man, they had a layup. But that's sort of the point. Like, that's the defense. He is there to do that. And once he gets comfortable with it, um, you would see a lot of those plays being made kind of routinely. And, again, I'm sure you've seen zones get deep and have a bounce pass for a layup. That happens, you know? So it's not like this is impermeable and, and it will never get scored on. But I think in the long run, the points for possession you're going to see would go down a lot uh, because of that. So let's keep going here. So we, let's say we also see on this one. So now um, we're really causing havoc. Go, go back a little bit here on the right side because you can see uh, the, the offense started to try and cut around and get in each other's way. So you can see here the corner like comes up and now he's now the corner, this guy with no shirt on is actually on offense. <laughs> so he's like almost playing my defense the wrong way, but you can see we've contained that. And then as um, they come back out. So the question here is, is as it gets swung around, this is the, 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 the real challenge. It, it, players have been playing a certain way for their entire lives. And now we're asking them to kind of do the opposite, right? Which is when you kind of close out to the ball, get behind instead. So let's see what happens here when the ball goes to the top. Do we get our guard? Yeah, look, he was good, and I think we taught it well, right? And we kind of explained it well. I don't remember exactly when this was happening in terms of, you know, was it the first five minutes or it was an hour in? But he gets right behind him, and we don't mind that he starts to drive. Now, really quickly, again, you can see the center is standing there waiting for him. He's right there. He's not getting there getting very far. And not only is he waiting for him, he's got a head start. He's got about six feet at least of containment, which he can now continue to back up. By the way, there's another thing about um, playing uh, defense in that sag position or in that contain position, which is that as you need to go backwards, you shouldn't be square to the ball. And Lee Taft had shown me this. He's a performance coach, uh, he had a great point where if you turn yourself sideways a little bit more, you can now use the outside edges of your ankles to push off, and you're much quicker going forward and backwards as in contain than you are trying to backpedal and waddle backwards. You can't really move quickly enough, especially against players tonight, today. So now, okay, good. He tries to force that pass in there, but we were able to converge and just get a, an easy deflection on this one. So all right, let's see this again. Let's see the next play. So here comes the ball handler. We get behind. He quickly gives it up. Now, again, it might take a second to shape up to get behind. But once we do, then, you know, the offense doesn't seem comfortable with that at all. They want to get rid of it. The one place we don't get behind is the corners because we already have a, a sideline and a baseline as the defenders. So it doesn't, doesn't really help us, I don't think, to get behind um there we, we and by the way i might play with that eventually and start doing something like that but for right now we want the corners to be able to be just you know play and play them regularly and then it looks probably most like a two three zone or maybe more like, like the amoeba well do you put the wing as the guy who's
0: guarding the corner all the time or does the bottom guy come out to the corner
1: so the bottom guy, if he's on the strong side, we want to have him make that short uh, closeout to the corner. Obviously, that, that's there. Now, sometimes he's not there, and it w- does require um, the wing to, to run down. What, what we want to avoid as much as possible is guarding the wing, and then the ball goes to the corner, and then that guy has to now run to, to the corner. Uh, you know, it, it, the ball will move too fast. It's too hard to kind of get there, generally. What we'll also do is, as its zone starts to shift, and there's reading involved in this, uh, the guy on top, ends up especially on skip passes we have certain rules on a skip the guy on top ends up kind of getting that wing so that the that the wing defender can now cover the corner and we can keep the forward the one forward basically on the weak side right so you know it doesn't you're not going to get a skip pass in every possession right so it's not like this is happening all the time uh that said you might in this offense or this defense, you you could ultimately end up um, luring into more skip passing. But in my mind, more skip passing while also an advantage for the offense generally in this defense, I think is an advantage for the defense because now we're talking about, you know, 35, 40 foot passes that can get deflected.
0: So this would be the bottom guy would be guarding the corner. The wing would be kind of in the middle here. And the weak side wing is taking away the back of the rim.
1: Yeah, weak side would play would play that that traditional like two, three zone forward weak side area. And then, you know, if, if we're in the right alignment where the forward, the, uh, the one uh, of the one, two, one, one alignment in, in my defense, if that last one who's not who's a forward, if he's there in the corner, then the wing can just deny the ball back out to the to the to the wing. Which is a lot like what we do in amoeba, you know, um, and then, or you can even double in the corner if you wanted. So, the, the, if we get to the corner, I feel pretty good. I feel like there's opportunities to kind of get a trap in the corner, and the only option they have would be like a long skip pass from like the corner to the opposite wing or something like that, which is fine with me.
0: You don't want the same player, guy in yellow shorts, guarding two players in the row in a row. You don't want him guarding the corner and then coming up and having to guard here. Correct.
1: Ideally. Yes. Don't want and that. You
0: happening. don't want at any point anywhere on the floor, two people guarding the basketball. Correct?
1: Correct. Oh, oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I, right now in the base way we designed it, we don't have double teams. Is that what you mean?
0: Yes. Yeah. I, I, I mean, really... not, not planned, just like unplanned. You don't want anybody ever, two people guarding the ball at the same time
1: i mean that that's the, that's the base design but that said i in the corners there are lots of opportunities where you could you could you could turn it on and you have a, a, a call for that for that possession let's say you know hot or something and then they they'll know okay here we are, we're now we're going to go to the double in the corner so so yeah so that's that that it does happen but mostly corner uh okay so there now now you can see like it came back out to the wing and then he closed out behind and then he tried to skip it and then it got deflected right so let's see what happens here. So now, and, and the offense was trying some different things. I'm going to refilm another session next week. We're going to actually coach the offense a little bit more. This was more like five out, just kind of to see how it works. The ball, uh, defender gets behind the ball. There's, there's contain. It's all really good. You can see there really isn't the chance to do much out of this. He's playing straight up in the corner. Boom. Oh, that, thats a steal. Hard to believe he didn't get it. But um, and but there's a good example of how the weak side wing had missed the steal. But okay, then he's back on the on the on the ball here behind. And now the, the, this is the center coming out. I think, let's see, keep going. Yes. So in the amoeba, you have the center that would close out the corner as a normal rotation. And I kind of designed this where I didn't want that to happen because I figured, you know, NBA teams will have these big centers. They don't want to come out from the basket. So let's keep them there, which is why I like that rule. He always stays between the ball and the basket and within a 15 foot radius, you know, around the basket. But there are, if we did have a mobile center like a Siakam or, or anybody like that, then we, the, the rotations do change, and it opens up a whole lot of things where those two guys interchange, the 1-1 one, one, uh, on the bottom. So suddenly he can go out there. And it, it does make it a lot easier for us to, to avoid things like this. So keep going. You'll see the center kind of come out. And then, again, a contested corner three ends up being an air ball, whatever. You know, th- fine. Uh, most zones are happy with a contested three. Get a hand up, running at him, let him shoot it if he makes it. Oh, well. Now, I would say that probably the biggest frustration uh, that coaches have during games that see them get so angry at players is probably closeouts, right? They're trying to close out. They're trying to do stutter jump stop. They're trying to do choppy hands, whatever, high hands, choppy feet, and they get blown by and the coach freaks out and they score or whatever. So what I also like about this defense is that you eliminate that. You're never, ever trying to do that kind of closeout. You're always closing out to get behind the ball, which I think would almost be like more fun you know, I think it's more fun to be a, have a closeout where you're challenging in the air. You know, you're running out and the guy's going to be, be the second jumper. You know, remember, you have to be the second jumper uh, for the, to contest in the air or else the guy's going to shot fake you and go right by you. Right. So uh, but that seems to be a lot more fun and f- more freeing to just kind of be sprinting and running and being athletic versus these weird positions that we're all trying to force our players to be in athletically or defensively that aren't athletic. So I love this notion that you can eliminate the, the, the whole closeout frustration because you're just getting there to get the guy off the three-point line, get him driving, making him uncomfortable, back tapping, all that stuff. Good. So there's a closeout. Stop there. So now here's an example as we were playing with this a little bit where the guy in yellow, you know, in theory could be here. Go back a little bit when the ball is back on top. The guy could be behind him right now, right? Because I, I, I would I'd love to be able to see catches uh, where the the, play, the defense is already behind. On the weak side, you can see that the, there's a short corner uh, offensive player in the maroon shirt who's filling, who's trying you know, whatever. Well, look, the defender is right there and, and watching and will be there, and so is the, the, the center at the free throw line. That is not an easy pass. You're not going to thread that through that easily, right? And if you do, oh, great, with a guy breathing down your neck behind you with pressure, right, that's also the key, uh, then okay, then great. If you can do that more than a couple times in a game, more power to you. And then you can see that the forward on the on the left block, you know, is also in the in the ability to close out the corner if he needs to. Um, and then we, if you keep going, the ball goes to the wing. Now, boom, he goes out, get behind. Good. This is good, right? And uh, on that side. Now, there's an example. Here's the thing about not guarding uh, two positions in a row, like you mentioned. Uh, so let's go back there where the ball is on the wing right before it goes to the corner. So veer switching, right? Uh, was that what we call that these days? Veer, the appeal, um, either one. Uh, appeal, yeah, appeal switch. Um, so... It doesn't work. Appeal switch in my mind doesn't work generally because if you're getting beat as playing man to man, and then the guy in the corner has to help off, and then you're supposed to try and run to the corner. See the guy in the yellow shirt, shorts. He would probably be on the other side and like getting beat, right? So now he's got to somehow cross behind the ball handler, not trip him, not trip himself, and then get some sort of route to get back to the corner. Look where he is here. He is actually on the uh, on the corner side behind, with a free underfettered access to get to the corner at least two steps quicker, at least. So here is where you can invite the drive, at, and where we have a uh, the forward on the weak side and get there in time to contest the shot. So let's see how that worked. See that that is not bad versus you know what I'm saying if you're trying if you're getting beat off a drive and you're in and you're and you're still like still have a half a hope maybe I can still get in front of him and then you realize oh man my my guy's got to help me one pass away and now I got to peel. You know that that to me never works and especially at the college level and even the good you know good high school any high school point guard can drive draw one pass away from the corner kick the ball in the corner and then nail that shot you know at a very high rate. But here, at the very least, while we're peeling, we're all, I'm, we're two steps at least closer and, you know, and you're flying at him and you can get there and contest. Um, it, it does work a lot better. So now the ball comes back out because, again, we always have that center there containing those drives. There's never, ever really should ever be a drive. You know what I mean? He should never be so far out of position that he can't just contain. And then here it comes. Now we get a double team here, which is, again, a little bit freelancing. Let's see what happens. They're discombobulated, right? They're like looking around. They're not sure. They don't know where the seams are because they're not open like they normally would be. And, and that, that, that's the havoc that we're getting off of there. And it, it, it wouldn't have been too hard to imagine if you go back one more time on that double team. Like I would never have had him double team, right? I would have had the guy in the white shirt where you can see the guy calling for the ball on top. So he comes over as the corner uh, defender is coming back up. So that's another interesting rotation. And, and we're still developing this a little bit in terms of how we deal with this. Um, because, again, we don't necessarily want to have two guys in the ball like this here with enough uh, space for him to, to dice you up. So I would I would be bumping him off just like they bump in the 2-3. We see that a lot, right, where the, the forward comes up on the wing and then it gets bumped down when the when the guard finally gets there. So we have a lot of the same concepts in like a 2-3 zone as we have. So that the guy in the white shirt would be bumping off as soon as the yellow shorts got there and gets back to uh, – to the guy the guard on top who's holding his hands up.
0: I did want to ask you about the beginning of this possession, where we froze it and the ball's coming from the top right here. A couple points that I think I heard you make. When the ball is pushed to a side, the bottom guy comes over to the near side
1: block. Is that right? Uh, Yes, yes. We we played with it both ways to figure out where the ideal position would be for the, the low block. And it felt like the strong side was key because of that pass to the corner you know it's easy, he, for, the he, he, it's easy, easy for the ball to, to it was tough we couldn't guard it uh we couldn't get there any other way
0: would you kind of encourage the backside weak side top guy to drop down to take the guy that's in the maroon
1: i, I like what he's doing he's splitting the difference between the <laughs> two right it's a sort of what we we would you'd see on a weak side you know pick and roll defense a uh, man to man right So he's basically um, he's splitting the difference between those two guys. Obviously, if the maroon guy gets even closer, you know, he's got to probably shade a little bit closer there. But again, uh, you know, a 20 foot pass and he's looking at the ball. He should have enough time to be able to to cover that up. And again, that pass would have to be made uh, around a center who's, you know, should be bigger than the guard and uh, is off of him you know we always coach you know in order to make a pass around a defender it's better if you're closer to the defender than than like that 10 feet that weird area right where defenders always get deflections and that's that's the real key here uh is with that is that guy as well like like it's not such an easy pass i know you might think he's open because there's not somebody within six feet of him but you're still talking about a pass that has to be threaded through a, a guy that's not close to the ball so that's that's the uh, that's part of the, that's how it all works together Look, it's wonky, but
0: I actually think that it can work. It has principles in it that we're trying to take away certain things, and it, it makes sense.
1: There are so many efforts times when, when they got, when the, the, the Thunder is behind the ball. You know, it's sure. not, that's the thing. We've seen it so often that it didn't, all of a sudden, it didn't even feel that radical to me. You know, coaches love to look out of the side of their eye and, and, you know, not want to trust anything, you know, that doesn't look familiar to them that they hadn't learned from somebody they trusted 25 years ago. But the bottom line is, is it yeah, did, you know, the, the edit I sent was all the stops, right? You know, they're, they're, did they get layups? Yeah. Do they get open threes in the corner? Yeah. Okay, fine. I'll show you that happening on every zone. You know, it, it happens. It does happen. Was there a lob for a dunk? I'm not sure that we even gave up a lob. The interesting thing about the Heat playing their forwards a lot like how I'm playing my forwards is uh, that they never, they didn't have like one lob as a cutter from the corner for the basket. I don't think, maybe they had one in the entire uh, NBA finals. Does this help your defensive rebounding? Is it worse or is it the same? So I always loved rebounds on defense when you get to run full speed at the basket and then you leap up in the air as high as you can and grab them. You get a lot of that without question. You got to. You got to have those forwards being like running down there and getting them. But you also don't forget, you have the center who's always in the position to to turn and grab the rebounds uh, as well. But uh, and again, I would be lying if I didn't say that, you know, zone defenses are susceptible to offensive rebounds, right? Like all of them are. But what I did like about this is there's an unlocking of athletic ability here, Uh, even from guys who are not rated as high as you think on athletic ability. uh, It does increase when you're not stuck trying to do some sort of, um, you know, fundamental closeout and, you know, over being overpowered by a guy who is, you know, pushing or leveraging you down. You are now freely running to the basket and being able to leap and grab those. And then you're out on the break the other way.
0: Is there anything else that you feel like we should know or observations that you made as you kind of gone through this or anything else that you think would either pique their interest or give credibility to or anything like that?
1: Well, I mean, doesn't it, would, it, would it add credibility if I said that a Division One team ran it last year? And how did it go? Well, they, they, it was um, six or seven possessions. They didn't score on any of them. Um, the coach is crazy. I love him. I love him to death, but he's crazy. And he put it in like the day before. <laughs> and, uh, and so in the middle of the season <laughs> and so I'm looking at the clips and I'm like, Oh my goodness gracious the God, there's so much we could tweak and, and fix and just, you know, get, get dialed in better. It had we had a week even, or, or like two practices or something. Uh, I think the testament to that was the opposing coach. That, so the coach that ran it told me that later that the opposing coach texted him the next day, and said, what the F, what was that that you were running? Like he couldn't even figure it out, which is good because you can't figure that out because no one's ever run it before. I, I, and, and I got to tell you, in the, you know, the center was good. Like he was a little bit mobile, probably like six, nine or whatever, you know, but wasn't put in the situations where he had to do like Rudy Gobert style defense to save the day. But all the things that we talked about were true, were coming true. Now, they also struggled with getting behind and I don't blame them having learned it for 25, 30 minutes the game before or the day before and then trying to run it live. You know, they couldn't they wouldn't always get all the way behind, you know, and it was like, ah, just. Take another step, all the way. Now you can back tap. You can do some fun stuff. So once we develop that, and again, I, having been a, a coach who, you know, I, I play strict no middle, uh, moving the direction of the ball, defense, man to man defense. But we also added the MIBA to that because I didn't like zone. I never liked to play two, three zone. But the point being that when you teach it correctly, we had no problem switching between man and zone, right? And they're two radically different concepts. So some of the coaches want to say, well, I I can't just switch from that. They're never going to handle that, whatever. I'm like, you're already doing that. You're already going from two, three to a man to man to a full court press. These are all radically different concepts a lot of the time in positions. So the players can do it. And, in fact, again, I'm telling the players to look at this and be like, oh, this is kind of fun. I'm flying around out here. I'm letting my athletic ability shine. I'm, I, you know, No longer am I you know, getting screamed at because I'm getting beat on a closeout because they're attacking on the catch. And there simply isn't a way not to be the way, you know, sometimes the way we're doing this. So, um, so all these things, you know, uh, again, I'm, I'm looking for ways where, I mean, imagine if, a, if you had a team where the, the, the players thought the defense they were running was fun. Right. Where would you ever have heard that before? Right. Nobody likes defense. It's always coached like in the, you know, in the, in these really ultra aggressive, intense ways where it's just like a chore and a, you know, you you find maybe one player every other year that like, likes it as a defender, right. Who wants to get in there and inspires everybody and it's diving on the floor, all that stuff. But like, you know, I'm telling you, uh, you, you know, I think Bobby Knight said it best. I think it was Bobby Knight when he said defense is just offense without the ball. And this is no question that example of that, because this is the kind of thing where you're, you're playing in tandem with, uh, with your other teammates and you're moving together on a string, just like we talked about for defense. But this is a lot like an offensive orchestration with reading and reacting. I guarantee you it'll be, it'll be more fun on defense than you'll have in anything else.
0: I'm sure this has piqued a lot of people's interest. We attempted to show clips, but it wasn't very organized just because it was a bunch of random clips but you're working on something to kind of organize all the thoughts, correct?
1: Correct. So I'm getting on the court one last time to film another round of uh, players running through it at full speed. uh, And we'll pay attention a little bit more to the offense this time to kind of, uh, you know, come up with some scenarios where we can see if we can really push the, the, the boundaries of the defense. So I'm going to film all that next week. Um, and then on my YouTube channel, I will have a video that incorporates all these things. We'll have footage of NBA as well to kind of accentuate why this is not so radical. It will also, it will give you a, enough of a, of a baseline to understand what it is. And then, I mean, I will be willing to come out uh, and help you install this offense. Uh, It's that important to me that I want to really want to see a fair shake at any level, this offense run and work. And because I know that eventually an NBA team is is, going to run it. And by the way, even if it's like the last possession where, you know, you're up by three and there's eight seconds to go and, you know, you don't want to foul, even though. You should file, okay? Just take the file. Don't them shoot a three. Okay, fine. You don't want to do that. Well, then run this defense. This will eliminate the threes that you're so worried about, and um, and you won't have to file that, and you'll win that game. So, uh, and again, I will be willing to um, to come out and 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 uh, and help you install it. That's Coach Nick from B Ball Breakdown. Coach, always great talking with you. Thanks so much, Coach. I really appreciate it.